Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to turn to a portion in the Word of God. It's in the very first book of the Bible. If you think the Bible is an old, boring, irrelevant book, what you need to understand is the Bible is the number one best-selling book in the whole wide world. So that in and of itself says something. All those people can't be wrong. And I want to read to you from the first book in the Bible, from the third chapter of Genesis and the first six verses. Because it talks about a snake. It talks about a serpent. And I've already said, whenever there is a snake, you've got to be careful. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, it was a talking snake, this is not a normal snake. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to this serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat from the fruit in the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent replied to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband and he also took and ate. Now this account that's found in the first book of the Bible in Genesis seems a little bit strange and a little bit odd. And if you're visiting here and, and aren't associated with Christianity or church and you're listening to me talking about talking snakes, I know it can seem far-fetched. But this was not a normal snake. This was an evil, demonic-inspired serpent. This was like the devil incarnate. This was like a devil in the form of a snake. I may have completely lost some now because I mentioned the devil. You might say, did you believe in the devil? Well, well I have a question tonight. If there's no devil, why are there so many bad things? If there, is, if there is not an evil force, why are there so many evil things taking place? See, if we take the devil out of the equation, we have to blame God for everything. And that, unfortunately, is what happens. People often say, if God is a God of love, why do evil things happen? And I'm trying to say, that's because there's also an evil force. There's not only a great force for love and a grace force that's for people, there's also a great force that is seeking to kill, steal and destroy and do us harm. And when you do the math, that makes sense. There's a loving God and there's an evil force, an evil influence, an evil devil that's trying to kill all that God intended for good. That makes sense. And that's exactly what we see happening here in this account. In actual fact, someone once said, 
The greatest trick of the devil is convincing the world that he never existed. Because if he can convince the world that he doesn't exist, then someone else is going to get blamed for his trouble. You know, that would be like having a Facebook account under an alias name. Can you imagine for a moment if you were able to have a Facebook account with an alias name that would not be tracked back to you and you were free to say whatever you wanted to say and do whatever you wanted to do? Wouldn't that be fun? You could really get stuck into some people and really cause some damage and really cause some harm and not get any of the blame. That'd be awesome. Yeah. This is your pastor talking, yes. There are some days I'm just gonna be honest. There are some days I wish I had an alias account to say what I was really thinking. And I think if we're honest, we all feel like that from time to time. And that's exactly how the devil operates, tricking and convincing the world that he doesn't exist. And so all the evil and all the harm that he's doing, others are getting blamed for it. And the one that gets blamed the most is God Himself. And so we do have a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy. And that's why I'm so glad there are churches like Victory Church and many other great churches in this city and nation and around the world combating what He is trying to do. Creating moments like this where you can be loved on, where you can receive help, love, forgiveness, hope, joy and peace. Because there's not a lot of that out there in this world today. You're not gonna find a lot of love and joy and hope when you open the newspaper. When you turn on the news, you think about the news articles that you watch, six o'clock, channel 10. It's bad news, bad news, bad news and the occasional good news story. What I love about church is we are a place with a message of good news. And I'm just so glad that so many of you are here tonight to hear this good news. But before we get to the good news, we've got to understand the bad news. We've got to understand the source of where that bad news is coming from. You see, there's a few areas that this serpent attacked Adam and Eve in the garden that day. And those areas that he attacked Eve and Adam on that day are the same areas that he wants to target you and I. Just like when a natural snake bites onto your flesh and infuses its venom into your body and causes you harm. So the enemy was doing that on this occasion. And he attached himself in certain parts of their body. And the first one we see is in the area of their ears. In the things that they were hearing. See, they were clearly told that they were not to eat from this tree. And this serpent said, did God really say? Now that should have been the end of the argument. They should have said yes and walked. But they began to listen to the wrong things. And this serpent began to say, you don't need to listen to God. He's an old funny daddy. You don't need to listen to those Christians who read from that old book 
that's boring, untrue and irrelevant. You don't need to listen to that. And they began to entertain the wrong things. Began listening to the wrong things. You know, we live in an age of technology that exists like never before. I don't know about you, but those of you who are my age, which is quite young, and those a bit older than quite young, would remember a little thing called records. We used to have to save up long and hard to buy records. And when you bought a record, you had to look after it because those little suckers scratched so easy. And there was nothing worse than listening to your favourite song on a record that had been scratched and it was jumping all the time. How many know what I'm on about? Or maybe it wasn't jumping, maybe it just got stuck. And uh, you spin me right round, right round, like a record. And just round and round and round and round. And so, I mean, do you remember like you're trying to dance and you're, you're jumping around? And you're, don't, dance, don't dance too much, just don't, don't knock the needles. So you're like, <laughs> your dancing was reduced to a, that was it. That's where that came from, but just that's all we could do. But now, now you can get so much on the internet. You can down, uh, download album after album after album. You don't even have to go to a record shop anymore. You can sit on your lounge, push purchase, and you've got whatever is out there, which is a wonderful tool, but can also open up a whole heap of things that we are listening to that become very unhelpful and very unproductive. So my question tonight is, what are you listening to? If you are from Generation X, you'll know exactly who that was and the great band that it represented. There's one of us out there, awesome. Kurt Cobain was an incredible young man who had an incredible gift on his life. He had incredible influence. He had the great wife. He had an eight-year-old daughter. He had the rock star image that came with the mansions and the cars. He seemingly had it all. He was one of the greatest influences of young people of his time. He was the founder of the grunge movement. He had it all. He had the world at his feet. When I said he had it all, I mean he had it all, including a drug problem. Including a problem with alcohol. And for all the success, and for all the mansions and the money and the cars, and all the influence, he was still empty on the inside. 
And then on one night, the 5th of April, 1994, at the very young age of 27, in a very drunken state, he began to pen a suicide note. It was four days later. An electrician came to the Cobain home and found Kurt's body lying there. Alcohol and gun in hand. And a suicide note. I want to read to you tonight an extract from what he wrote. Remember, this is from a young man who had the world at his feet. A young man who had everything and more than we probably ever could hope, dream or imagine. He says, all the warnings from Punk Rock 101 courses over the years since my first introduction has proven to be very true. For example, when you're backstage and the lights go out and the manic roar of the crowd begins, it doesn't affect me the way it used to. The fact is I can't fool you, any of you. It simply isn't fair to you or me. The worst crime I can think of would be to rip people off by faking it and pretending as if I am 100% having fun. Sometimes I feel as I should have a punching time clock before I walk out on stage. I've tried everything within my power to appreciate it, but it's not enough. I have a goddess of a wife who sweats ambition and empathy and a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be, full of love and joy, kissing every person she meets because everyone is good and will do her no harm. And that terrifies me to the point where I can barely function. I can't stand the thought of Francis becoming the miserable, self-destructive self death rocker that I've become. Thank you all from the pit of my burning, nauseous stomach for your letters and concern over the past years. I'm too much of an erratic, moody baby. I don't have the passion anymore. And so remember, it's better to burn out than fade away. Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going, Courtney, for Francis. For her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. I don't ever imagine that Kurt Cobain as a young man picking up the guitar for the first time thought at the tender age of 27 
that he would get himself to that place. And yet that's exactly what happened. And he's not the only one. There is an infamous 27 club out there where young movie stars and rock stars have taken their life at the tender age of 27. Amy Winehouse being a more recent one. What a tragedy. And I do not believe these lost lives are for us just to ignore. But it's for us to have a stock take and learn from their lives. What are you listening to? I hope we're listening loud and clear to a man who had it all and yet had nothing at all. And I believe it was in that drunken state where the demons within were tormenting this young man to take his life and that's what he did. And we live in a nation that has the highest suicide rate amongst teenagers in the world. And I can't help believe and think that so much of that is because of what we're listening to. Of course, it's not just what we listen to that's all important. And it's not just to our ears that this enemy of ours is after. He's also after our eyes. You see, when this serpent came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and was tempting this young woman to eat from the fruit that she was told clearly not to. First of all, she listened, but then she looked. And the Word of God tells us that she saw that the fruit was good. See, not everything that is bad for us looks bad. There's lots of things in the world that look good, but are equally as bad. In actual fact, some things that are bad, that look bad, are actually good for us. Brussels sprouts being one of them. But not everything that looks good is ultimately good for us. But she saw this fruit and I imagine she was quite hungry and so she just had to have it. Have you ever seen something that you just had to have? You don't know what I mean? Walk with me, ladies. You're going past the shop and there's a shoe sale. And you see these shoes that are to die for and you just now have to have them. You weren't thinking shoes before, but when you saw them, leopard skin, high heel boots, you just had to have them. They look great, honey, they really do. <laughs> but we've got to be careful, not just what we are listening to, but also what we take in with our eyes because we are visual beings. And upon a bit of research, I've learnt that our eyes are able to take in 4 million bytes of information per second. 
That's a lot of information. And we're also able to convert that information into pictures. We're very visual beings. What do I mean by that? When I say red apple, you can see it. Black dog, white horse. We're no longer thinking about the words. We're seeing it. We're picturing it because we're visual beings. And so my question is, what are you watching? The internet is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I've been blessed by the internet. Thank God for Google. The internet in and of itself is not a bad tool. It's not a good tool, it's just a tool. What makes it good or bad is what we do with it. And when you're studying for homework and getting straight A's because of the work you've put in, it's a great tool. But it's when we begin to look at things we shouldn't be looking at that it becomes problematic. But it's not just that now. We've got social media. I mean, these were things I never had growing up. And so we have young people today absolutely addicted to social media. They're checking their phones over and over again within a day to see who likes their status and who's befriended them and how many more friends they have than their other friends. And God forbid that if you ever have more or less followers than those that you are following. And it's become a distraction. And then there's this horrible case of cyberbullying that we encounter so much of today. Again, when I was a kid growing up, bullying meant you got a punch in the head behind the shelter shed and it was pretty much done after that. But this is far more subtle. It actually said of this particular serpent in the garden back in Genesis that he was craftier than all the other creatures. And what the Bible means by crafty is subtle. He's not obvious, he's subtle. And the internet is one of the most subtle tools that he uses. And we as visual beings must be very careful what we are watching, what we are looking at. Particularly with all the pornographic material that is out there. I know it can seem harmless. I know it can seem like a bit of fun. But kid yourself not. Pornography can become very addictive and very destructive at so many levels. I don't have time to go into that tonight. But pornographic addiction has created many problems for families, many problems, not just for young men, it's for young girls too. And with the availability of it on the internet, we need to be careful 
what we look at. Because the devil wants our eyes. He wants our ears. But he also wants our mouth. When Eve took that apple, the first thing she did, she took a big bite. And she had this appetite for what she was not meant to be eating at all. And we've got to be careful of our appetites. Again, a healthy appetite is not a bad thing, but an appetite for the wrong things becomes destructive. And I mentioned when I first started talking today, I thank God for churches like this one because we're not here to control you nor manipulate you, but we wanna help you to give you a healthy alternative. A healthy living plan. Appetites are great if we have the appetites for the right things. And so my question tonight is what is it that you're eating drinking, or even smoking. I hope I am not causing anybody to stumble tonight. But they did look like I was having fun, didn't they? They did. And I'm not here to say that having or getting involved in the wrong thing isn't fun. You can have a lot of fun, just like these guys doing the wrong thing taking in the wrong substances and too much of the wrong substances. Hey, you can have fun. Even the Bible says you can have fun. The Bible says there is fun in drinking. There's fun in doing drugs. There's fun in all those things. There's fun in sleeping around. The Bible says all that. So I'm not here as a church to say, oh, that's not fun, you won't have fun. No, you can have some fun. But the Bible does add, but it's just for a short time. There is pleasure in sin, but it just doesn't last long. And why would we offer you an alternative that you can have fun, but just for a short period of time? How would we as a church be offering you the best and saying we love you if we just offered you short-term fixes? Oh, we as a church believe in fun. You better believe it. But we want a fun that lasts. We want a fun that's healthy. We want a fun that can be enjoyed with our kids and our grandparents. We want a fun that can go on and on and on. And so let's not settle for second best. Let's not take in all these substances and have momentary pleasure when we can have a joy and something far greater that lasts far longer. And that's what we as a church are offering, something far greater than that. We have people who have come from all walks of life. In actual fact, one of our actors here tonight with the beanie on, the Bob Marley colours. You might think, wow, he, 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 he looks so real. That's because that was his lifestyle. 
Riley Jones, that's how he lived. Me personally, I was never involved in any of that stuff. And I don't feel I've missed out on anything. And I think if you were to ask Riley after this service, the fun you had back then versus the fun you've had since, which is greater and which lasts longer, I'm sure he would say it's the decision he's made since giving that up. He's had longer lasting and more fun than ever before. This enemy of ours, he wants our ears. He's after our eyes. He's after our mouth. And he's also after our mind. When Eve saw that this fruit could not just taste good, but give her knowledge, the thought of her being smarter and wiser appealed to her. The thought of having more wisdom and more knowledge was a great concept. So she thought, I've got to have that. But then she started thinking of the wrong things. And her mind was opened, but it was open to things that were going to do her harm. We've been given a mind by God to use for thinking good thoughts. And so my question tonight is how are you using your mind and what are you thinking? What are you thinking? This scene represents so many people, not just young girls, but young men, middle-aged women, middle-aged men, older men, older women. It never ceases to amaze me that beautiful young girls can think and absolutely be convinced that they're ugly. That's not normal thinking. Some of these skinny, beautiful girls thinking they're overweight. That's not normal thinking. And if it's not normal, it has to be coming from a place. And I'm here to say that while chemistry and biology and all those things may have a part, the chemical imbalances may play a part in some of that disjointed thinking. It does stem back, way back to that account in Genesis where evil thoughts are dominating people's thinking. I mean, what convinces a young person to take their life that's not normal thinking. It's not natural to want to kill yourself. And yet we live in a nation where so many young people not only want to, but end up doing it. 
Come on, I, I trust that you, we are a thinking people here tonight. We can't just keep blaming God for everything. If God's a God of love, why do bad things happen? Maybe, just maybe, it's because there is an enemy, there is an evil influence seeking to kill you, steal and destroy your life. And maybe there's a God who wants to give you something better than that. And I believe there's a God who gave you eyes and ears and a mouth and a mind for good purposes, noble purposes and godly purposes. See, here's the good news tonight. That whatever got you into trouble can get you out of trouble. Listening to the wrong things may have got you into the wrong things, but when you begin to listen to the right things, you can get into the right things. This is the nature of God. This is the redeeming quality of God that whatever you did to get where you are, you can do to get out of. What you looked at to get into trouble, you can begin to use your eyes to get yourself out of trouble and look at the right things. The things we used to begin to take into our bodies, through our mouths, we can begin to speak words of life and hope. And the wrong thinking, the wrong thought patterns that got us into trouble and into bondage can also get us out of trouble through good thinking and wholesome thinking. I love the redemptive quality of our God. You know, there's another account in the Old Testament, in a few books after the book of Genesis, whereby God's people, Israel, were wandering in the wilderness and they were grumbling and complaining, saying the wrong things, thinking the wrong things, doing the wrong things. And this plague of snakes began biting the people of Israel and many of them died. And these crumbling, uh, grumbling, whinging, complaining Israelites came to Moses and said, we are sorry, help us. And God said to Moses, I want you to build a bronze snake and I want you to put it up on a pole and hold it up nice and high for everyone to see. And all the Israelites had been bitten and would eventually die could look to that bronze serpent on a pole and they would be healed from the venom and they would not die but live. That moment in history was like a picture or a type of what Jesus Christ would ultimately do for us. Just as those Israelites have been bitten by all sorts of snakes, we live in a world where we get bitten by all sorts of things. And the Bible says that there was one who's hung upon a cross, who was like no other, 
And He died for our sins. He died for our wrong thoughts, actions and words. And although life may have bitten us many times in many areas, we have the opportunity just like the Israelites of old to look up and see Jesus on a cross that we might not die, but that we would live. You see, sin at the end of the day just simply means to miss the mark. In other words, our best effort to be like God is not even gonna be close to Him. We've all fallen short of God's incredible glory. And so Jesus Christ, who was indeed the Son of God, came as a substitute and took our place and our punishment and said, I'm prepared to die that you might live. You may have done the wrong wrong thing. You may have been bitten by all the things that life has to offer. But we serve a redemptive God. A God that wants to help you and help me in what we see, in what we hear, in what we taste, in what we think. And in order for us to do that, we're faced with the decision. Are we going to continue on in our own strength, in our own ways? Or we, are we going to receive this gift from heaven, this gift from God? Oh, we live in a hurting world. We live in a world where so much evil prevails. But I'm here to tell you, it's not because God is evil. If God's a God of love, I often get asked, why do so many bad things happen? I'm here to simply say, it's because there is an evil force and an evil influence in this world. And there is a loving force and a loving influence in this world. And we are faced with choices. And if we would choose God through accepting His Son, Jesus Christ, it can lay a platform for us living a life of forgiveness, hope, joy, love, and peace. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.